right, let's go to the Gospel of John. And one reason I wanted to read that, because it's kind of right in line with what I'm going to be talking about. <clears throat> I'm not going to read the whole chapter. What chapter, are you in? chapter 4 of John. But I need to read on through verse 42. So just bear with me. Uh, John 1, 4, 1 through 42. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Now you got to notice the second verse. It's not there just... For no reason. To fill in space. You see the parenthesis. And it would be called a parenthetical clause. And it's a very important. Parenthetical clause. Though Jesus. Himself. Baptized not. But his disciples. And I believe there's a re specific reason for that. This is not my sermon. I can't go by this. Without saying something. You see in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, where Paul was addressing that church that had divisions in it over who baptized them. What do you think it would have been if somebody had been baptized personally by Jesus Christ? You'd have never got it settled. And I believe it's that reason Jesus did not want to detract from the baptism of John the Baptist. For the only one that ever came from heaven. Who had the authority. And the baptism. To introduce and initiate. The ordinance of baptism. Nobody had ever baptized. In the history of the world. I don't care what. Uh, Beasley Murray. And all the Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville says. I don't care what any of them say. John did not learn how to baptize from the Jews. Nobody ever baptized. The first one to baptize was John the Baptist. He was the one that God sent from heaven to initiate baptism. And that's exactly why Jesus walked 60 rough miles out of the way to get to John because he said thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. That's the will of God. Amen. Fulfilling all righteousness. So it's very important who baptizes you. Not as far as the individual but as far as the authority Amen. is concerned. And the only one who has the authority to baptize on the whole face of the earth is the kind of church that Jesus built and Jesus commissioned that kind of church in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. You all go teaching and baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you all way even to the end of the age. He did not give that charge that commission to the so-called Christianity at large Amen. it was given to the 11 apostles 
who comprised the member, the total membership of that first church that Jesus built, and they all had John's baptism. Amen. And even when they chose a successor to Judas, Judas didn't fall from salvation. He fell from his bishopric, his office. But they had to start to find a replacement with the baptism of John. Acts, the first chapter, is very plain on that. And I don't know why all these Dr. Hogjaws completely miss that. It's because they don't want to see it because it would limit their gigantic growth. When you have to sell someone, we can't receive your baptism to come into this church. You're liable to lose them. I believe anybody that wants to serve the Lord will listen to the word of God and follow the Lord in scriptural baptism. Anyway, I'm trying to read the scripture. I'm sorry. I'm trying to read the scripture. Let's go back. Verse 3. We haven't gotten very far, have we? He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. <laughs> and he must needs go through Samaria. We could stop right there for a while too, couldn't we? Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, and thus sat, on the, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. That would be about noon, getting towards the heat of the day. Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Now this whole thing is going against his, his disciples. Because they're all Jews and they didn't want to go to Samaria to start with. And then now here, here he is asking for a drink of water from the Samaritan woman. Now let me warn you this. You read commentaries. I know of old preachers. And they call this woman a whore, a fallen woman. Jesus doesn't do that. They do that on their own. They don't know what they're talking about. They ought to read this and let it say what it says. Anyway, then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew, and yes, Jesus was a Jew. For all of you anti-Semites out there, Jesus was a Jew. He was the lion out of the tribe of Judah, which was the first tribe in the front of the eastern gate in the tabernacle. Amen. Couldn't be any more Jew. And we've got some anti-Semites out there too, brother. Anyway, thou being a Jew... Ask his drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. She didn't say I'm a fallen woman. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. That goes back to the, the northern kingdom being taken into captivity by the Assyrians when they took the Jews out of Samaria, most of them, and repopulated with a mixed bunch. That's how Gentiles got there. Jesus answered and said unto her, 
If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of them, and he would have given thee living water. He didn't say anything about being a Samaritan. He didn't say anything about her being a fallen woman. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? We had living water Friday night, didn't we? Yeah. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You can say the washing of water by the word. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here hither to draw. Now Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. Go get your husband and come here. The woman answered and sir, said, I have no husband. Yes, she was shacked up. What did Jesus say to that? I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. He didn't com- condemn her. For thou hast had five husbands. Well, now that's a bunch. Saw so somebody, oh, I think all oh, they'll die. I'll tell you what, if you take any woman that's had five husbands to die on her, you better get a homicide investigation going. And they didn't do any such thing. But now he said, uh, he called them all husbands. I don't know that what happened. You can assume that there were at least some divorces in there. But he called them all husbands. And these people say, oh, if you get divorced and remarried, you're still married before God to your first. No, you're not. If it's a legal divorce, no, you're not. Don't be, don't be an idiot. By the same law that marries, marries you, the same law divorces you. And that ends that marriage. You're not still married. According to the Bible, that is. Not according to some preachers and other people. That's not my message. I just, I'm reading through this. Trying to, anyway. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Something going on here. How do you know all that about me? Our father, now, okay. Oh, you're a preacher. I saw it move the Ten Commandments. I've had it happen several times. Did you see the movie? I said, no, I read the book. <laughs> as soon as they find out that you have something to do with, with the Lord, with the Bible, with the religion, they want to get religious on you. And that's what this woman's doing. She's getting religious. Uh, look, the very next thing she said, our father worshiped in this. Oh, my mother goes to church. My grandmother read through the Bible 18 times. I bet she don't know a word of it. 
but they get they got to get some connection with religion to get themselves okay with you. Our fathers worshipped this mountain, and, and you all say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. You got to boil down to where you worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Y'all worship, you all know not what. Now that's the only put down he's given her so far. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. And certainly it is. Jesus Christ came as a Jew. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. Now I want to caution you on this verse. Read and heed. True worship is worship of the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit doesn't mean rolling down an aisle and hooping and hollering. Has nothing to do with any such Tommy Rod as that. Here's what it has everything to do with the very next verse, 24. God is A, the A is not really there in the original. God is spirit. There's what he's talking about. You don't worship God with a picture or with a statue or with some physical symbol. Amen. Or with genuflections or any other kind of physical exercise. To worship the spiritual God you must worship him in spirit, not in the flesh, not in uh, physical things, not in idols and truth. You can't have one without the other. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, that's Messiah, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. To this point, She's still in spiritual darkness, spiritual ignorance. And then we find what salvation is. He says, Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. So when we say salvation is not a reformation, salvation is a revelation. <coughs> Jesus Christ revealed himself to her right then. She didn't know it till then. And what was that voice? I was speaking to thee, Emma. He, well, turn the clock back over 4,000 years before that, and you hear, let there be light, and there was light. And whose voice was that? The second person of the triune Godhead. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made were made by Him. There was not anything made that wasn't made by Him. And He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. Uh, same voice. He is the life. 
He is the light. The life is the light of men. Now, upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? I guess they're afraid to ask. The woman then left her water pot. And you have to understand, we're in the, getting in the heat of the day, and I don't know how long a trip it was, but it was a sizable trip, especially through a hot desert. Anybody ever been in the hot desert? It ain't no fun. You go through Death Valley, old timers had bags of water tied on their vehicles going through Death Valley. You, you can get in trouble real quick. She left her water pot. She's already got it full. You realize how valuable that is in a situation like that? You don't go home and turn on the water faucet. This would be all the water she's got for her and her family. But something is motivating her. To where something more important than drinking water. <laughs> well, she went away into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. <laughs> now, how many sad stories did she tell? She said, is not this the Christ? Come see him. Now, in the meanwhile, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on here. Jesus Christ has just revealed himself to a hell-bound, hell-deserving, lost sinner, a Samaritan, who had no idea who he was two minutes ago. And now the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ has been shown to her and she beheld his glory. What a wonderful thing. And she demonstrated something far more important than vital water. But in the meanwhile, <coughs> his disciples prayed to him, that is, talked to him. Master, eat. What's on their minds? Uh, uh, Master, you haven't eaten yet. Oh, <laughs> uh, But he said unto them, I have meat. Now that word meat means food. Everything involved in food, it could be meat, but it could uh, it could be beef or whatever. 
but it's food, Brahma, food. He said, I have food to eat that y'all don't know about. <laughs> Therefore said the disciples one to another, has any man brought him anything? Somebody that slipped in town and brought him something to eat? And didn't bring us any? <laughs> and Jesus said unto them, My meat, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Well, you might say this was mysterious meat mysterious food that they didn't know anything about. And Jesus says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, and for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying, True, one soweth and another reapeth. And I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen. Now Nicodemus, these people knew what that word world meant. A lot of preachers don't know what that world means, the word world. These Samaritans did know what it meant because that world included them. It didn't say everybody in the world. It said all kinds of people in the world, Jew and Gentile. Amen. That's where, there's the answer to that. Anyway, mysterious meat. Well, get all this out. Never assume too much importance of what you're doing compared to others. You see, the, the disciples, they were concerned about the real things. Have you eaten, Master? We need to get you to eat. But you, you got food, then somebody left us out. That's what they're worried about. But that wasn't what the Lord was worried about. He wasn't worried about what he was concerned with. You remember Mary and Martha? Didn't Jesus rebuke one of them? That's over in Luke 10. Yeah, verse 40. <clears throat> but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him 
and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Here I'm involved in the important work. And the Lord says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Mary chose the part to sit at his feet and learn. Well, be careful that you don't get too wrought up, if you're a child of God, that you get too wrought up in physical things that you're doing and you're letting the real things go. This is that mysterious meat that he's talking about. Yeah. Now Jesus knew about this from the get-go. In Matthew 4, when he went out, when he was tempted in the desert by Satan, and he was, he was all, almost, he was at the limit of human endurance. Starvation. And Satan tempts him, if thou be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Now I've heard preachers say, well what that means is that he would misuse his gifts. Baloney. You see what the devil said to him? If thou be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. But what did Jesus answer? Man! Satan is trying to destroy his humanity. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. 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 Jesus knew that mysterious meat from the get-go. Anyway, sometimes we're slow to discover it. Just like we read there in John chapter 4 and verse 33. The disciples said one to another, has any man brought him anything to eat? They, they couldn't get it. They didn't have it. Somebody said, oh, I get that. No, they didn't get that. They didn't get that at all. They're still hung up on what they're thinking about. And what they're thinking about is not what they should be thinking about. So be careful. Job knew it. Look real quick at Job 23. We love the book of Job. Job 23. Verse 12. Job answered, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips, Job is defending himself to his so-called friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, and Elihu. They're accusing him 
And he says, I have not gone back <coughs> from the commandment of his lips. I haven't backslid. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Necessary food. That's not just what you want. That's what you got to have to exist. But he said, I have esteemed, held up high the words of his mouth as more than my necessary food. He understood that. But now you know, in order to, to see this food, you've got to, Self-sinking. you got to get yourself out of the way. Uh, John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must, I must decrease. Now Jesus said there wasn't a greater man born of women than John the Baptist. Isn't that what he said? That's a pretty good testimony, isn't it? Testimonial. But John the Baptist said, He, Christ, must increase, and I must decrease. I think that ought to describe the way we serve the Lord. Amen. We're not promoting ourselves, we're promoting the Lord. That's a good point, whether anybody likes it or not, it's a good point. Self-will is very selfish. And selfishness plagues all of us to a degree. I mean, actually, you can, you can attack sin from the standpoint of selfishness. Sin is selfishness. Doing what I want to do rather than what God says. That's selfishness. And many of us act like spoiled children. And all of us are selfish to a degree. Everyone. But in order... <coughs> to feast on this mysterious meat, we've got to draw back. We've got to seek away from ourselves. Many people do their Christian work their way. Mm. I think we heard some of that Friday night, brother. They might even tell lies about it in order to get it done their way. Yeah, I'll serve the Lord the way it suits me. Now, I'm not talking about suiting a preacher. I'm not talking about suiting me. I'm talking about suiting the Lord. I'm talking about studying the Word of God and finding out what God says, how we ought to serve Him. Or how we must serve Him. And then we do it God's way, whatever men may say. <clears throat> now for Christ, His mysterious food, meat, is God's will. That's what He was doing. He told John, he said, Thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness, and righteousness was the will of God. 
He was in harmony with God. And Lord knows that's where we ought to be. Are you a child of God? Then we ought to be in harmony with God. I said we, I didn't say you. I said we ought to be in harmony with God. The Bible says that Jesus was given the Holy Spirit without measure. Paul said, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That ain't Holy Spirit baptism. Nothing akin to it. Now by doing the will of God, Jesus saw much in a little. Now to the powers that be religiously, <clears throat> anything that a little church can do, little nothing people, don't mind anything. You got these super churches, got 10, 15, 20,000 people, multiple millions of dollars come in. The pastors live in mansions. Y'all remember uh, Reverend Ike. Anybody remember Reverend Ike? He was in New York City. Brooklyn or the Harlem, I don't know. Black guy, doesn't make, that doesn't make it there, but he was. He said, it ain't the love of money that's the root of all evil. It's the lack of money that's the root of all evil. And boy, did he have it. He had Rolls Royce after Rolls Royce. And we've got them, white folk, the Osteens and all of his ilk. So anything y'all do, don't mount to much. But let me show you what Jesus did. Jesus is the creator of this world. He's the God man in the flesh. He left the glory of heaven to come here. That's who he is. He's the savior of his people. He went all the way out of the way to get to that Samaritan woman. Who they wouldn't even sneeze at. His disciples wouldn't even sneeze at her. They wouldn't get close enough to sneeze on her. But Jesus went right where she came, and he sat there at that well, and he said, Would you give me some water, please? You know you ever done that? She was surprised, wasn't she? And when he left there, there was that woman who was his child. She wasn't. Amen. Now she's a born-again child of God. Amen. By the sovereign grace of God. And now, immediately, I think she got it. <laughs> 
His disciples didn't get it. Somebody sneak food in here? They didn't get it. But that Samaritan woman at the well that was not a child of God ten minutes ago, she has got it. Amen. And what was that? She left her pot of water and went into Samaria. Come see a man that told me everything I ever did. Is not this Messiah the anointed one, the Christ of God. Unless somebody try to say that she got them all converted. No. Uh, Verse 42. Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. But now did the Lord use her? Yeah. She put out the clarion call. That's a word that they some of the old timers use. That would be a general call is what that would be. Jesus had already come forth with the inward call, the effectual call. I that speak unto thee am he. There it is. Now, she got it. She is not thinking like the disciples. She's thinking like Christ. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Her meat was to do the will of Christ. But you wouldn't call this a successful crusade, would you? Billy Graham wouldn't have called this a successful crusade. I've heard him say, oh, I went to India and we had hundreds if not thousands coming forth. Do like they did here in town back in the early 70s when Billy never came. I forget his name. One of his cohorts came and had that crusade. And you couldn't get in the Memorial Coliseum. I don't know if anybody remembers that. I do. They're right back that key key seventy three program. Anybody ever remember that? All of these big programs are going to save the world. <laughs> well, you had to have a ticket to get in there that crusade, and all the various churches in Lexington were represented. We weren't, and had all I forget. 20 or 30,000 decisions made. And about six months later, they did a poll of all those people that signed those cards and all that went forward. How many of them had actually gone to any church and presented themselves for membership? You know how many did? It was all phony. All made up. Now Jesus, they only saved one. He only saved one, one little old Samaritan woman. Some people call her a fallen woman. Jesus didn't. But she had a life 
And it wasn't one that made anybody happy. But then again, she's no different than anybody else. You see, we don't come. I heard judges say, you must come to court with clean hands. You can't come to Jesus with clean hands. <laughs> Ain't none of us got no clean hands. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Our mouths are as open sepulchers, stinking graves full of dead men's bones in our natural flesh. You have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Somebody put up some Armenian stuff on Facebook this week, and I clicked on, I haven't heard any of the results from it, but I said, Obviously, you don't understand the doctrine of total depravity. That man is lost. That man is dead in trespasses and sins. No wonder you don't understand any of the rest of the doctrines of grace. If you don't understand total depravity, that man didn't get hurt in the fall, he died in the fall. And unless the Lord does a work of grace in him, he'll never come. But I can commit to you, present to you, that the Lord did a work of grace in this Samaritan woman's heart. He said, I that speak unto thee am I, am he, and by their fruit ye shall know them. Immediately she left her water pot and went into Samaria. Well, she had some results. Uh, let's go on back here, verse 35. We hadn't got that far ever. All right. Now, have you ever wondered why this is here? At first thought, it seemed like it's out of place with this whole context. It does. I've never heard anybody explain it with the context. Y'all say not. So you got that ye. There are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold I say unto you lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true one soweth and another reapeth I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you are entered into their labors. Get a hold of this mysterious meat. And understand, you don't have to wait. I mean now is the time for you to go and announce that the Christ is here. You go follow the Samaritan woman's lead. <laughs> a lot of preachers be mad at that. You got to follow that old Samaritan woman's. I don't know how old she was, but you got to follow her lead. What you mean? We're apostles, and you got we got to follow her. Yeah, if you ain't doing right, you better follow her because she's doing right. <laughs> she's showing you what's important in this life. She just proved what was important. It wasn't that water. 
Hey, I got the truth of this. This, this is true. I'm not bragging, but that's the truth of this. Amen. That's how you. That's how this needs to be understood. Uh, you see, Jesus cared not for the outward appearance of things. One preacher one time, oh, he made another pastor so mad I thought he was going to get whipped. He said, what great thing have you done? Now that one that said that's not even in the ministry. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I haven't done anything great. The little bit that I've done in my 50 odd years, put it on a scale, well, it, wouldn't even, it wouldn't even bring the scale down. Not much at all. But I tell you what, we better get to get business and do what we can. It ain't going to last much longer. I'm not going to last much longer. This whole thing not going to last much longer. Don't say we got to wait for the harvest. It's already ready. Amen. Now, Christ put his all in all he did. He was emotionally involved in his work. Did he not go into the temple twice and take a whip, overturn the tables and drive the money changers out of the temple of God? And I've heard Commentary, read commentary, say, oh, he, he let his temper get away with him. No, 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 no. When he said, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, the zeal coming from your house, the religious zeal of the Pharisees, ultimately did eat Christ up, put him on the cross. Humanly speaking, wasn't possible that he should beholden of death but they were gifting what they, what they did a lot of people are zealous in religion folks that's why we have these emerging churches people that are searching and trying and finding all different things to get a crowd together and get money together they're doing anything and everything. No. He said, my meat is to do the will of God. Where do you find the will of God? Right here. Amen. Not with my notes. God's word. Amen. Yeah. He got emotionally involved in the work. I don't know. We ought to get emotionally involved in the work. I mean, it ought to be. I mean, we ought to be able to shed a tear every now and then and Amen. rejoice every now and then and shout hallelujah every now and then yes. and be rejoicing in the Lord even if we're in a prison cell with our back ripped apart. Whatever our circumstances.
enemies arise against us. He said they've hated me and they'll hate you. He said the time will come where they'll put you to death and think they do God's service. That's been going on and it's going on as we speak. They called him a drunkard. They called him a glutton. They crucified him as a thief and a murderer. Even today they accuse him of being a fornicator. Both hetero and homo, they accuse him of all of that. They say he lied about being God in the flesh. Didn't the Pharisees say that he, he, he's led by Beelzebub? But you know what? All that didn't slow him down one hour. I must be about my father's business. He had seemingly endless energy, but he was pure human in the flesh. He wasn't a sinful human, but he was, sin he was a human in the flesh. Where did he get all that energy? And I know that, that he periodically was hungry and thirsty. He wasn't, he wasn't abundantly fed. He wasn't getting his energy from physical food. He was getting it from the Father, which is where we need to get our energy. He wasn't deterred by the promise of wealth and power. Satan tried it in the desert wilderness. Many of these preachers say, well, they start out right, yeah. And then they get a little popular, and then they start getting this and that and that. You watch them. The next thing you know, you can't even recognize them, who they are. Well, many of us are wise in business. And we know how to have fun. I don't say there's anything wrong with having fun. I'm not against somebody playing golf. I'm not against somebody camping. I'm not against somebody boat riding or whatever you do. But you can watch. If we put as much energy into getting the gospel out to serving the Lord, anywhere near as much energy as we put into having pleasure, having fun. We will be a lot closer Amen. to eating the meat that we ought to be eating. God help us to recognize that mistake.